right, I want to invite you to take God's word and turn with me to Matthew chapter 22. This is your first week at Champion Forest, or relatively new to the church. I am unpacking in this first series of the year the future direction that I believe, that our team believes, uh, the Lord is leading us in. And we looked last week in detail at what we're calling uh, our focus priorities. And we looked at the first one. We're putting our focus uh, in a statement. I'm going to put it on the screen for you. And uh, just remember as we read this, it not only has a corporate element that has to do with the church, but there's also a personal element to this as well. And students, as you're getting in on this, this is very important. If your life will revolve around these three focus priorities that we're talking about, I'm telling you, you will live a life of little regret and maximum impact for Jesus. And so this is not just a focus statement for our church, uh, although it is, and it's what we're going to be laser focused on in the future. Uh, but personally, ask yourself this question, how does my life revolve around what we're talking about here? Here's the statement, champion Forest advances the kingdom. And I want you to notice that kingdom is in all caps right there, capital K, kingdom. Uh, because we're not advancing our little kingdom here at Champion Forest or our personal agendas, our personal kingdom. We're about advancing the kingdom of God. This is what we want our life to revolve around, to be about. And how do we do this? By making disciples, loving our community, and strengthening the church. We unpacked the first focus priority last week, making disciples. We called that the Great Commission. Uh, this week, we're looking at focus priority number two, loving our community. And this is called uh, the Great Commandment. Now, let me just say, I do appreciate all of the feedback that I received last week, especially about how to make a proper PB&J, okay? Uh, I thought I was the expert, but evidently I am not. I uh, got a lot of emails, texts, phone calls about that. Thank you. Uh, but this week, here we go, no making peanut butter and jelly. I did start the message with some pictures last week of people who had made an impact in my life as it relates to following Jesus, people who had invested in me, uh, people who had passed their faith on to me, and uh, just showed you some of the pictures of those people in my life uh, that uh, from a discipleship standpoint, I wouldn't be who I am today without uh, their personal investment into my life. This week, I want to share some pictures along with some emails, texts, notes that I've received that highlights the second focus priority and will give us a little bit of an idea of what it means to love our community. Uh, Debbie Benningfield sent me an email this week, and I want to show you a picture along with this email that she sent. Debbie uh, leads our Angel Paul's ministry here at Champion Forest, and let me explain what that is. Here's her email to me. Uh, Hello, I thought I would give you another testimony of the power of our Angel Paul's pet therapy ministry. I met a young woman, and you see her in this picture, I'll leave her name out, uh, while doing end-of-life visits at Methodist Hospital Medical Center. Sam, which is her dog right there, was specifically asked to participate in the end-of-life program because of his sweet and docile nature. Docile nature. Uh, this lady had stage 4 breast cancer that had spread to other organs. She was a wife and a young mother to this 3-year-old boy uh, that is uh, pictured in the previous picture. After she was discharged, uh, she texted me and said that her little boy had found Sam's picture and was just swooning over him. The next day, uh, Noah, was uh, the son right here, was sleeping with Sam's picture and a few days later really wanted to see the dog again. So the mom, who was dying of cancer, reached out uh, to Debbie. Uh, Debbie writes, I'd been praying for an opportunity to witness to her, so I felt this was God opening the door. 
I arranged to meet her at a park near her home in League City, and I asked my North Klein family, she attends our North Klein campus, and I asked my life group to pray for me to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit's leading as I presented the gospel to her. While her son was busy playing with Sam, uh, she and I sat at a picnic table. I opened with prayer, and I began asking her spiritual questions. Based on her answers, I knew she wasn't saved. This led me to presenting the gospel, and without hesitation, she prayed the sinner's prayer to receive Christ. Over the months, I continued to walk with her on her cancer journey and spend time with her and her little boy. They loved Sam and even painted a picture of him for me. She was so on fire for Jesus once she came to know him and daily spent time reading her Bible and praying. I was able to provide her Christian material from a faith-based organization that provides free resources to our ministry. She would take them with her to her treatment and minister to other patients, offering prayers, a Bible, and other resources to patients who were suffering. Ultimately, her cancer came back and she lost her battle against cancer. And Debbie says, I was comforted in knowing when she drew her last breath here on earth, she took her next breath in heaven in the arms of Jesus and was completely healed. And then Debbie says this, I just wanted to share with you this about angel paws. It's more than just having a cute dog to pet. Just as the church uses VBS, Christmas Spectacular, and many other ministry opportunities to draw people to the church so Jesus can be shared with them, we too minister in a similar way. However, we're going into the community and we use our pups to open the doors for ministry opportunities, not only at Methodist Hospital, but at schools, colleges, primary schools, assisted living facilities, and other places as well. The dog is what gets us the invite. And as people love on our pups, we get to share Jesus. We are all about being kingdom builders. Often the people we visit are not ones with any church affiliation, nor are they seeking God. Most just want to find happiness. What a mission field God has given Angel Paul's. And she goes on to say that they need more people enrolled. And so if you or your pup is interested, just contact us and we'll get you connected with Angel Paul's. Use it as a source of ministry, loving our community. This next one. Next pictures you're going to see is of Cypress Christian School. Uh, one of their administrators is a member of our church, and he called me a few uh, months ago and said, hey, we want to have a spiritual emphasis week at, at school, but we need a place to have it. We want to get the kids out of their regular rhythm, and we were just wondering, would Champion Forest be willing to host it? And we would just need y'all to put the program together, like your children's ministry and your student ministry, and and so we brought it back to the staff, and, and they were all in and said, yes, we want to do this. And so uh, about two weeks ago, Cypress Christian brought over their entire school, K through 12. I mean, it was like 800 kids here on our campus, and our student ministry did the worship and, uh, and, and met with the teachers, and our children's ministry uh, did it for the lower school. And you see some of the pictures of uh, this. And I got a note in the mail from the principal of the school that simply said this, it's addressed to Champion Forest, I can't thank you enough for hosting our spiritual emphasis week. There's no doubt in my mind that the students were more easily able to focus on their relationship with God by being off campus and at Champion Forest. You and your team's hospitality was deeply experienced by me, my team, and our students. May our Father continually or richly empower you. And just thanking us for opening up our facilities. Again, just loving our community. I got another note from a teacher here. Got another note from a teacher here. It says, thank you for hosting. Our students were blessed by the time away. We are so, so grateful. Got a number of, of thank you notes from the students 
saying thank you, and most of them were giving shout-outs to our residents who they found really, really handsome and cute. But uh, it's thank you notes. Uh, do what you can. Um, this next set of pictures you see is of our CMC, our Community Ministry Center. So many of you uh, serve in that uh, ministry uh, right here on our campus, feeding uh, those uh, who uh, don't have, uh, you know, low food security, if you will, and um, you not only uh, share with them meals, but you share with them Christ. You see the picture right there of the bell. Uh, anytime someone prays to receive Christ, they ring that bell, and it goes through uh, uh, the the building of someone praying to receive Christ. Because we don't want to just give a hand out; we want to give a hand up as well. And uh, here's an email that I got this week about our community ministry center. Uh, this month, it was a January report, served 239 total families. That represents 985 people in those families, 70 of which were completely new. We don't even know how they got our name. It's just out in the community, our reputation for doing this. And 29 salvations. Uh, it says right here. Compare that to January of 2022. We served 239 families in January of this year. 2022, there were only 26 new families and two salvations. 70 new families and 29 salvations this year. Since the food pantry came back inside since COVID, we were doing a little different when COVID hit. But July 5th, 2021, since that time, we have uh, distributed approximately $383,000 worth of food items that we track. This does not include the extras that are received and uh, distributed. And so uh, needs are being met right here in our community. And again, I want to thank so many of you for, for serving and another example of what it looks like to love our community. One more. This is in regards to our special needs suite that we opened up a few weeks ago. You know, as part of our forward project, uh, one of the things that we were most excited about was bringing our special needs ministry, which was all, which was behind the FLC, uh, back there, we, we wanted to move them up to have more prime real estate in our campus. We wanted it close to the children's ministry as well. And we opened up because of your generosity and your giving, uh, nearly 6,000 square feet of prime real estate on our campus, specifically for the families of those with special needs. And a couple of weeks ago, we had a ribbon cutting event. You see it. We introduced our director, Shonda Osby, to our families of those with special needs. We had volunteers there from the ministry. And if you could just see the smile, smiles on the kids' faces. I mean, it was worth the whole evening. And this is another way uh, that we show love uh, to our community. We are being the hands and feet of Jesus. Here's a thank you note that I received. And again, this is, you know, it may be directed uh, to me, uh, but it's representative of Champion Forest. There aren't enough thank yous for Sunday's ribbon cutting and dinner. You validated us. You shared in our challenges. You showed us honor, respect, kindness, and love. God bless you. We are beyond grateful for this ministry. I read you these texts and these emails and these cards. I show you these pictures because this is what it means to love our community. This is why we say this is a focus priority. And you say, where did you get this priority from? We got it from right here in God's word, Matthew chapter 22. What we know as the great commandment, the Bible says this, starting in verse 34, Reading through 40, this account is given three times in Scripture. We'll look at Matthew's, 
account in Luke's account this morning. Verse 34, when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Jesus is answering a question from a religious leader about what is the most important law in all of the Bible. Now, this doesn't just have to do with the Ten Commandments. The Talmud is a religious commentary on the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, the law of God. And the Talmud suggests that there are 613 laws in those first five books of the Bible. 248 of them are positive in nature. Do this, do that. 365 are negative laws. Don't do this, don't do that. And so this was debated in Jesus' day. Which law is greatest out of all the laws that are given. And so what say you, Jesus? They're putting him to the test. What's the greatest law in all of Scripture? And Jesus answers, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. All the other commandments, all the other laws flow from these two laws. And Mark's gospel adds a sentence that Jesus gives. Mark's chapter 12, uh, starting in verse 31, the second part, Jesus says this, there is no other commandment greater than these. This is why we call it a focused priority. It is the great commandment to love God and to love others. Now, all of these focused priorities, when we were talking about these as a staff and thinking through them, there was a driving question that brought these priorities to the surface. Last week in Making Disciples, the driving question is, would we be proud and happy of what we present to God when we stand before him? And all of us are going to stand before God one day and give an account for our life. And so can we answer this question, are we proud of what we're going to have to present him? And we made the case last week that what you're going to want to present before God when you stand before him are the people that you have invested your life into. There are people that you share Jesus with or they look more like Jesus because you're intentional investment in their life. The driving question behind this focus priority of loving our community is this. If Champion Forest disappeared tomorrow, would anyone in this community know, care, or miss us? I mean, if we dropped off the map tomorrow, would there be a hole in Northwest Houston because of the way in which we are Serving and loving our community, there is a void there because we no longer existed. Would anybody in this community say, man, where did that church go? They were such a kind people. They were such a joyful people. They were on mission. They were always serving, always giving, always meeting needs. I mean, when there was a flood, it was that church, Champion Forest, that showed up to mud out my house. When I didn't have food, I knew I could go to that campus and there'd be somebody there to help me. They were in my kids' schools and after-school programs, helping my children with their studies when my loved one passed away. It was members of that church that came alongside me and walked with me after they died. This church was there for me when I needed it the most. Would anybody if we disappeared tomorrow, would anybody realize it, be aware of it, miss us? 
You know, it's interesting in Luke's gospel, you can go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 10. We find the parable of the Good Samaritan. And the parable of the Good Samaritan is in the context of the great commandment. And what we see in this story, we'll look at it in just a moment, it answers two major questions for us. Number one, who is my neighbor? What do we mean when we say the word community? Who are we even talking about there? And then it answers, what is loving my neighbor? What is loving the community even look like? How do we gauge it? How do we demonstrably witness loving our community? Now, before we get in this story and work all this out, let me begin by emphasizing what loving our community doesn't mean. Okay? If you're taking notes, write this down. Loving our community doesn't mean this. It doesn't mean sacrificing truth we believe. The danger, maybe a better word to use, is the tension that is sometimes felt when we talk about loving our community is that we have to check our beliefs or our convictions at the door when loving people who may believe differently or think differently than we do. And it's just not true. Our community is full of people that don't believe the same things that we believe. It's full of people who don't believe in a God. Uh, there are some that don't care if there is a God. They're going to live the way they want to live. Others worship what we would call a false God. I mean, we're surrounded by people who don't believe the same things we believe. We're surrounded by people who have different political views than we may have. Different views on gender, sexuality. How the Bible defines a family. There are people in our community that are strung out, addicted on all sorts of drugs and engaging in illicit activity of all kinds. There's not just the down and out, though. There's the up and out. There are people in our community that have everything. And yet they're greedy, they're selfish, they're miserable, they have dysfunctional relationships. And I want you to hear this. As Christians, we're called to love all of them. No matter how different they may be, no matter how different their beliefs are, the mandate on the Christian's life is to love them. This summer, I want you to pray for me. Uh, this summer, I'm preaching at the Southern Baptist Convention Pastors Conference. They've asked nine of us to give a pastoral talk on one of the fruit of the Spirit, all right? And so I need you to pray for me, not because of the talk, but because they've only given me 10 minutes to do it, all right? And so the first one, I've got one right out of the gate. It's on the subject of love, I'm talking about loving our community. And I had to turn in two paragraphs this week on what I'm going to say about love. And so here's what I wrote. And remember, I'm talking to pastors and local church leaders. As pastors and leaders in local churches, it's relatively easy for us to acknowledge the love of God. We know from Scripture, God is love, 1 John 4, 7 and 8. We often quote and preach the great commandment, what I'm talking about today, Matthew chapter 22. We're fully aware that it's the first of the fruit of the Spirit mentioned by Paul, Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 and 23. And then we can exhibit all the gifts of the Spirit, but if we don't have love, we are nothing, 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 3. Biblical love is to be the filter by which all of our actions flow. One of the reasons I'm excited about giving a pastoral talk on biblical love at this year's pastor's conference is because I believe we need to be reminded of the mandate that we are given in Scripture. With the demands of the pastorate from the people we are called to shepherd, to the cynicism that can sometimes be directed towards spiritual leadership, to the vitriol that is often expressed on social media, even among brothers and sisters, we all need to be challenged and encouraged to return to and walk in love as God has commanded. 
That's a message not for just pastors and leaders, but for everybody. We are called to love, and we need to embrace and walk in this commandment. But walking in love doesn't mean for a moment compromising our convictions. It doesn't mean for a moment watering down truth, what we believe about the person in the work of Jesus. It is the gospel of Jesus. It is his death and his burial and resurrection that fuels our love for the community. And so I don't back down. We don't compromise our beliefs, our convictions, even when we face backlash, even when we may be misunderstood, even when we're considered intolerant. Despite all of this, we love. And who is our model example? It's Jesus. You look at Jesus' life. He was always around tax collectors and sinners. They were attracted to him. Why? Because he loved them. He didn't look down on them. He didn't condemn them. John 3, I didn't come to condemn the world. I came to save it, is what Jesus said. And so they were attracted to him, but not one time, not one time did he ever sacrifice his beliefs or convictions. In fact, you look at the scriptures, what did he tell the woman caught in the act of adultery? You go and sin no more. What did he say to the woman at the well? You have seven husbands, and the one you have right now is not your husband. He called out truth. He didn't compromise what he believed, but he led the way in serving them and loving them. And it was usually his love that ultimately set them free from their path of sin to in turn love and serve him. So when we say love our community, understand what we're saying. We are not saying it does not mean that we sacrifice truth that we believe. Secondly, loving our community doesn't mean that we meet every need that is presented to us. Now this is important for our church. Because there are a lot of needs in our community and there are a lot of people in this church and all of us are passionate about various things. And we can't meet every need that is presented. We're not meant to, number one. We don't have the resources to, number two. In many cases, there are other churches in our area that already have great ministries set up, doing great work as it reflects, as it relates to meeting a specific need out there. There are prayer, prayer church ministries that are doing great work, meeting needs that we don't need to reinvent the wheel on. There are social organizations out there that are designed to meet specific needs when they come across, and they're meeting these needs in a way more effective way than we ever could. We need to get to know these organizations, these ministries. We need to vet them, and then we need to be able to send people to them. But if there's already a need in our community being met by another church, awesome. Let's partner with that church. We're on the same team. Let's not reinvent the will and recreate something here. Every time a need arises as a church, we've got to get very strategic, very intentional about what we say yes to and what we say no to. This allows us to be intentional in where we send volunteers and resources. And so I'm asking our missions team to lead the way on this and to help us to get a more rifled approach to what we engage in. Shotgun can do a lot of damage, a lot of pellets everywhere. But a rifle approach looks at the programs and zeroes in on ministries and outreaches and we flood people and volunteers and service hours so that we can have maximum impact for the gospel. Loving our community doesn't mean sacrificing truth we believe. That anchors us. 
Loving our community doesn't mean we meet every need presented to us. We become good partners in our community. And if, if the Met or Houston Northwest or Faith Bridge is meeting a great need, let's partner with them. We're on the same team. We're building the kingdom together. If social organizations are doing something great and they're meeting a need in our community, that doesn't mean we have to create a ministry here. You know what that means? And I use this word intentionally. We infiltrate that social organization. And we may not can proselytize open while we're serving in that organization, but we can be the best volunteers they've ever had. We can be the most passionate volunteers they've ever had. And when they say, man, where do I get more of you? How long are you doing what you do? Then they gave us a softball to share the gospel of Jesus Christ and tell them why we're doing what we're doing. Loving our community, thirdly, doesn't mean just doing good works. We're not talking about just doing good works for good works' sake. The most unloving thing we could do for our community is meet a bunch of physical needs via good works and ministries that we implement and not meet the greatest spiritual need, which is salvation. Sin being forgiven. Again, look at the life of Jesus. Mark chapter 2. When those friends lower their, their friend into a roof that's paralyzed, what does Jesus say? He says, before he says, take up your mat and go home, what does he say? Son, your sins are forgiven. Then take up your mat and go home. He meets a spiritual need first and then a physical need. That's power in the gospel. When we go into our community and we share vocally and verbally, audibly, the good news of Jesus Christ, the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. That's why we share all the time the simple message that God left heaven, came to earth in the person of Jesus. He died on a cross for our sins, was buried and raised to life. There is power in that message. And when you buy faith, trust in that message, your life can be changed forever when you share vocally the, the gospel of Jesus and you show tangibly the love of Jesus. That's the secret sauce to lives being changed. And that's what we've got to do as a church. Remember the words of James? Remember the words of James? James chapter 2 verses 14 through 18. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says, go in peace, be warm and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you by my faith by my works. This is what we want. We want a faith that works. We don't want to come here every week, study the Bible, hear from God, go to our life groups, hear another teaching and our head grow big and our heart grow cold. And the only way we prevent that is by exercising our hands and our feet. We go on mission and we're the hands and feet of Jesus. Love has to be expressed. We can't just say we're loving our community. It has to be witnessed. It has to be de demonstrated. That's what God did. God demonstrated his love for us. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't just say it. He showed it. In the same way, we've got to express our love to our community. What does that look like? Look at the parable of the Good Samaritan. Again, the context is the great commandment. That's verses 25 through 28. Verse 29 starts in Luke chapter 10, but he, the lawyer desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? That's a good question. Some of you may be here saying, okay, Jerry, you're talking about loving the community. This is a big community. Who do you mean by that? Well, let's see what Jesus says. He tells a story to answer the question. 
He replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now, by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He had empathy. Say empathy. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. That's action. Say action. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave him to the innkeeper saying, take care of him. And whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. That's sacrifice. Say sacrifice. Jesus said, which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among robbers? And he said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said, you go and do likewise. Two quick points. First point we ask, who's my neighbor? Simple answer to that is anybody you see in need is your neighbor. But Jesus takes it a step further and says, you know what? You're really asking the wrong question. It's not who is your neighbor. Real question you should be asking is, who can you be a neighbor to? Love has to be expressed. And the only way we can express love is to act when we see need. Our heads need to be on a swivel looking for ways that we can serve, looking for people whom we can express the love of Christ to. This week is, or this month rather, is Black History Month. And we honor the contributions and we celebrate the work of African-Americans in our nation's history. Last month we celebrated Martin Luther King Jr. It was he, one of his most famous sayings, a pastor, said this, life's most persistent and urgent question is what are you doing for others? Man, that's a question ought to burn in our heart. What are you doing for others? Now look, just like the church, we can't meet every need out there as individuals, but you can meet one need. And I just want to ask this, what would happen if you did for one person in need that you saw in need? What would happen if you did for one person what you could do, what you would do for everybody if you had the resources and the time and the bandwidth to do it? Can you imagine the ripple effect, the change that would take place in our community? If we did for one person what we would do for everyone if we had the time, the resources, and the bandwidth to do it. Love is expressed in three ways here in the parable of the Good Samaritan. First, it's expressed in empathy. We'll never feel the full weight of love until we empathize with others. Empathy is putting yourself in another person's shoes. So when you see need, you put yourself in that place. put a picture of your mom and dad in that person's place your son or your daughter or your grandchildren what would you do if that was them you'd move heaven and earth to help them do you notice in the scripture the bible says the Samaritan had compassion see the priest and the Levite saw exactly what the Samaritan did but it says they saw him and walked by they saw him and passed on the other side but the Samaritan's different it saw him and it says he had compassion he felt something if we want to love our community well, it's a good prayer to start praying is, God, give me your heart. I want a soft heart to feel for people what you feel. Secondly, love is expressed in action. 
Verse 34, he went to him, bound up his wound, pouring on oil and wine. He went to him. Notice the connection between what his heart felt and where his feet went. There's a connection there. He felt something. And then he went. He acted. This would be a good question to answer if you're saying, what is my place in loving our community? What does that look like for me? A good question to ask is, what pulls at your heart? Like, what do you feel? Like when you see children and, and just, man, there's something about children that your heart it, it goes toward them because you, you, you know they're moldable and, and you're good with, with them and, and, and your heart just goes out to them. Or maybe it's to those with disabilities. You just have God's wired you. He's giving you a heart for the, for the least, for those that are often neglected. Or maybe it's for senior adults. Or maybe you've been through some things in life, a relationship breakup, a divorce of some kind. And man, you're just, your heart goes out to people in that. Maybe you struggle with mental health issues or depression and God's given you victory over it. And you, and you see somebody and your, your heart just goes after them. Where is it? Where, do you, where is it that you feel? This could be God's way of showing you how to get in the game, where to get in the game as it relates to loving our community. That's the story of so many people. Kelly Martin's a member of our church. She saw a newscast one day on Worthing High School down in the Sunnyside area, one of the worst neighborhoods in the nation, not just in Texas. And and the children in the community weren't being supported, and so she drove, I think it's 32 miles down there. She felt something. Her feet took her there, and now she begins this ministry years ago called Lighthouse for Students that comes alongside and serves these students in Worthing High School as well as Klein Forest High School. James Durham, member of our church has sons, young sons. We talked about starting a ministry in our FLC about investing in uh, single parents, uh, children of single parent homes, specifically they don't have a father in a home. James had a good daddy in his life and he works hard at being a good daddy. And he came to us and said, I wanna be a part of this. I wanna be a part of investing in, in our community, in our church where single parents, the hardest job in the world. And there's many homes that don't have a father figure. I wanna be a part of teaching that child how to use his manners, how to respect women, how to obey his mama, how to teach him to hunt and fish and do all those manly things that even I don't do, all right? How to do all that. Jay says, I want to get into the game on that. Think about Ryan and Lauren Reitzammer who magnify dance. We want to, we want to, we're passionate about this. We want to teach, and they teach about 300 people dance, but what's the undergird of that? It's to show the love of Christ. God has wired you, given you life experiences, relationships, talents, and skills to advance his kingdom. And you can do this using your natural gifts and supernatural gifts bestowed on you to love our community. I want you to think about where can I best serve. And if you don't know where, you just text the word serve to 77069. And we'll call you in the next couple of weeks because it'll be a, take, take us some time to get through. And we'll start saying, how can we pair you up? Where's your calling? Where's your gifting? What do you do when you feel the smile of God? It is on your life. And let me tell you this. If you're not dead, you're not done. Okay? My dad retired five years ago, 70 years old. He didn't want to retire because he saw his job as his calling. He trained a bunch of young GIs on how to do brick masonry work. Health crisis got him to retire. He had never been on a mission trip before. He goes to Mexico and realizes that he can help build churches Uh, and grow the kingdom that way. He just got back from his 14th mission trip to Mexico helping to build churches, serving with Samaritan's Purse, using his giftings as a a builder to, to help build the kingdom. So there's something out there for every single person here. 
Finally, love is expressed in sacrifice. And I'm done. Loving our community intentionally and strategically will involve sacrifice. It's going to cost you your schedule. You're going to miss out on some things that you may want to do. It's just a part of it. It will involve sacrifice. This young man in the story saw this guy that was hurt, put him on his donkey, went and sent him to town, gave money to the innkeeper to keep him. It cost him something. We talk about loving our neighbor, that blessed initiative where we wrote the names of neighbors that we're praying for to come to know Jesus out there on the floor. If we're going to intentionally invest in the people that God's put around us in our neighborhoods, in our offices, it's going to cost us something. Getting out of our comfort zone. It's not always convenient. Some of you are going to lay down and take a nap today. and You're going to want it and the Spirit of God's going to say, you had not met that neighbor over there yet. I hope the Spirit of God makes you miserable and you can't take a nap until you get up and do it. <laughs> it costs something. It's sacrifice. But look, ministry and missions and seeing people come to know Christ takes sacrifice. That's why we give every single week. That's why I'm unapologetic in asking you to give to the kingdom. I know what it does for the giver, and I know what it does for those who are being blessed by it. It takes sacrifice. Chain Force is how we advance the gospel. It's how we advance the kingdom. By making disciples, loving our community. If you come back next week, I'm going to talk to you about strengthening the church. Let's pray together. Thank you for joining us online. We hope today's experience encouraged and challenged you. At Champion Forest, we are passionate about all kinds of people coming to know God, to grow in their relationship with Him and others, and then to go out and make a difference in the world. We would love the opportunity to talk and pray with you. To connect with us, just go to championforest.org connect. And hey, of course, we can't wait to welcome you on campus in person on one of our locations. We'll see you soon.